Welcome to the Belgium Fintech Magazine, the place where digital finance fans can discover and learn all about the latest trends in our industry. I'm Alessandra, the CEO of Fintech Belgium, and I'm very happy to collaborate with Chris Crespo to co-create this interview. In this episode, Chris is joined by Tone, the CEO and founder of Data.be, a true visionary in the field of data structuring and compliance technology. We'll explore how compliance regulations are impacting diverse industries, the solutions that Data.be provides to streamline processes, and the broader implications of these changes in the global regulatory landscape. I really hope you enjoy it. And don't forget, if you want to keep the conversation going and meet Tone and other fascinating experts in person, let's see each other at the digitalfinancesummit.com in Brussels. Chris, the floor is yours. Don, great to meet you. Before we start, just tell us briefly who you are and what you do. So I'm Ton van Acht. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Data.be, a Brussels-based uh, reg tech uh, compliance solution provider. And what is Data.be core value proposition? Okay, our, our core value proposition is that we structure official company information. Companies, nonprofits, everything that's a corporate uh, is being published in several authentic uh, document websites and we structure the information from there one unified source that we open both through web tools, SaaS model, and APIs. And so if you think about that, it's typically about which person is appointed in which role, and that role can he or see in that role sign themselves or do you need others to sign? So for the last decade, we've been structuring that information and selling that to banks, insurers, uh, but also to leasing companies. Everybody who's involved now in AML and that has a KYC, a know your customer, or in our case, more specifically, a know your business type of, of needs. Ton, what is the problem in the market that Data.be is trying to solve? So the main problem is that for people in the financial industry who work at banks, insurers, and leasing companies, they have to, when they get a contract with a name on it, assigns the conditions of that contract, they have to make sure that this person is duly representing the legal entity with whom they will open a credit line, a card, or whatever, a leasing, a, a, a card that, would, that they will deliver based on that signature. But they have to make very sure that the person putting that signature on the contract, whether it's digitally or on paper, is the right person who can represent that company. And so they spend a lot of time in looking through both bylaws, like what has the company published on the representation, official databases, and next to that, they do a little bit of risk analysis, of course. How healthy is that customer? Are they growing? Will they be able to pay the bills or the, the financial engagements with, uh, that we're closing with them? And so we, we deliver both the text information and structured format, so they, they gain time. They can basically process a lot more customer files uh, than they, they were able in the past by using our tools. And secondly, we offer them the financial data that go with it, the employment data that go with it. We, we deliver alerts. Every morning we check, has a company maybe gone bankrupt or not? Uh, if it's a customer or even for prospects, have they been hiring? Are they growing? Uh, should you be careful? Did they merge with another company? So that you probably have to reach out to see who are the new counterparts. The company is still there. The, the contracts are all valid. They're doing well. But you have to change probably the interfacing, maybe the email addresses, stuff like that, where you're going to be sending your bills over. And what would you say makes Data.be unique? What makes us unique is that for the last 12 years already, um, we've, been, we've been doing OCR, optical character recognition, 
from published PDFs. So we've been processing millions of documents, very boring corporate bylaws, and we've been doing entity recognition. So we find a name, a birth date, an address, a company reference in there. But also we do semantics analytics. So we, we're going to look at the meaning of words in a sentence to say, okay, this part of the sentence is about representation and somebody who's appointed as an administrator can solely sign on behalf of the company. And so we structure this and through our APIs, we offer it to financial institutions. Now, Ton, how is data.be keeping up with the increased technical sophistication from fraudsters? It's a cat and mouse game, of course, huh? especially with everything through and related to AI and chatbots, you can now automate a lot of, of attack factors as they were, as they're called. Uh, where in the past, it was very cumbersome for fraudsters to do that. They can automate it and look for the, the loopholes. But, but, but when you look at our part of this business of identifying who can, who can sign under which role, is the identification part that's crucial. In Belgium, we have It's Me. So if, if, you have, if you do a digital onboarding and you include one of those strong customer authentication methods, it's already become much harder to pretend you're somebody else. Now imagine that through some way you manage to scam that person to give away their strong authentication to the two-factor authentication or whatever you've implemented in your internal procedure, then, then you have a person re that is from the second tech, I would say, prevention we do is that this person, we're going to check that indeed, are they duly and able to sign on behalf of that company and do we see strange things happening. So for example, there's a type of fraud where somebody does this and then publishes their name as a, as a layman for a company. We have the list of these, these criminals who do that as a living, I would say. So we say, oh, attention. Or if you're going to have a huge transaction and everybody, the address has been changed in the last week and there's a new director in place and everything and you see in the history of the company doesn't make sense, then we can also give a higher risk score to the sort of event. So we look at several types of events and how they are being uh, used or misused in the back in the, in the past, and then we put a risk score on that. And Ton, would you say that regulatory compliance could become a source of competitive advantage? Well, we've seen, first of all, there is the fines. That's the negative part of it. Yeah? And there's more and more regulation. And in a certain way, at the, at the macro trend, you see that governments are putting the policing not just at what were typically the police and the judges and the and the special inspectors they have for this, but they're putting it down into the industrial change. Okay, there's fraud. We're going to oblige the banks to do very strong authentication and compliance. And if they see a suspicious transaction, they have to stop it and they have to warn us about it. And so... They're giving fines that started with banks that they had to do it. Now it's going down in the in the whole industrial chain. Leasing companies start to have to do it. If you look abroad in in, in, in Europe and Belgium, we don't have fines in those industries yet. But for example, uh, everybody doing um, industries where there's a lot of cash going around. So the antiques industry, the art industry, uh, secondhand cars industry, they all now have to do AML, which is new to them. And for many of those players, there's a, there's a conflict of interest because they have somebody wanting to pay a nice second-hand car, probably in a large cash amount or something they can't really justify, and they want to sell the car. That's their business. But now they're also obliged to justify that they checked how the source of the sources of money of the acquirer of that good. And so I would say where our tools were historically sold in those very regulated industries, financial industries, we now see a huge uh, expansion opportunity in, I would say, mm, at, the, at the one 
hand, you have, uh, for example, accountants. They're also being pulled into this policing corner now. They have to check AML. They have to check uh, and anti-money laundering at their customers and notify the right instances. And so this, this industry, as said, uh, the, the art industry, the second-hand industry, the auctions, houses, they all have to start doing AML in a much more advanced way than they ever did before. And I'm not even telling sanction lists of Russians and other uh, blacklisted uh, countries of origin right. right now. What is your vision for data.be, let's say, in the next five years? So in, in the next five years, right now we're active in Belgium. We're looking at adding the same type of tools and information in other countries. So that's one. But what I what I mainly see is trying to we are like, we have like the we go the deepest for the Belgian uh, business information, and so I would our tools that we are extending now in APIs we would like to integrate them further than just the financial industry. But as we see that regulation is expanding to new markets, we would also like to provide these tools to these new markets. And just to close, what three words best describe the fintech ecosystem in Belgium? Well. One of the first words that come up is uh, humble. We're probably too humble. And, uh, and I have the pleasure to travel to other fintech uh, events uh, across Europe. And then you, you go to countries and you see how people boast about what they've been doing. And then you ask some questions and you see like, okay, it's an MVP. They don't have real customers yet, but it's as if they've been serving a market for a decade with something that was really innovative. And so in Belgium, we tend to be a little bit too humble and too honest um, when we present our products. Like, yeah, still, a, it works, but it's still in progress. But if you onboard, we'll together we'll build it. And it works. So it's it's about being, uh, I would say, a, a, not bragging, but about the, being a little bit more proud in the way we go out. Uh, linked to that humbleness is the fact that we have very strong uh, technical skills. We have great, uh, highly educated people. We have a lot of um, experience in Belgium. If you think about the history, we call it fintech today, but about. Um, the companies that were founded here a long time ago, like Swift or Euroclear, they were from the beginning very technical and they found the talent here and, and, and everything that goes around that and the, the legal entities. To that. So it's a little bit of pity that we've had all this from Belgium and that now we have to try to find our ground and, 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 and stand out as a fintech country. Yeah. But we have this huge legacy in, this industry, in, in, in the financial uh, industry. Um, and again, to me, if you look at those examples, I said humble as, as, as one thing I think about. The, the second one I think about is the technical talent that we have. So that's something where we really stand out. And then it's B2B. Because we're not like <laughs> making ourselves and being so proud in consumer-facing products, a lot of our successful fintechs and rectechs are B2B based. So you don't see them as big brands, but they're serving a lot of other companies underneath Twitter APIs, um, the, the whole industry of PSD2, of opening finance. Uh, we have players that, that are, are growing even globally from those sectors, uh, but they're not known as household names yet. Well, Ton, it's been a real pleasure listening to your insights. So thank you so much for taking time to coming and speaking to us. Thank you for this great moment and thank you for joining us for this insightful discussion. We hope you enjoyed it. Our ecosystem is full of visionaries, innovators, entrepreneurs and thought leaders, which make all these conversations exciting and fascinating actually. So don't miss any of this content by subscribing to our YouTube, LinkedIn and podcast channels. And most importantly, see you in Brussels at the digitalfinancesummit.com. 